Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we return to our gaming roots. Darren talks about how to get to level 150 the fun way in Battlefield 4. And I let you know what the latest SimCity is like. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. Every once in a while, in an extra, we just kind of randomly talk about stuff. It may not have to do with hardware in general or overclocking or how fast our car is or what kind of <laughs> shoes we're wearing, but we generally gravitate towards games. Well, that's true. And it is an extra and in that sense that we get to have a little more freedom with what we talk about mm-hmm. and a little less structure. So for 2015... <laughs> 2015, let's not make a habit of this, but... But... What have you been playing? Well, you know, it has been a great fall season for gaming. And I find that I tend to be playing a lot of Battlefield 4 still and in the multiplayer arena. Mm -hmm. They've upped the level cap. And I don't know if we've talked about that before, but if you're not playing Battlefield, a Battlefield has sort of an RPG element in that you can level up and it unlocks what they call backpacks Mm -hmm. as you uh, achieve your different levels with each of the weapons and such. And your experience levels that give you, you know, more sights, more barrels, and then fluff-like different camo patterns and such. But they have got the level cap up to 150 now, um, which is a lot. 150? That's levels? a lot of levels. Well, is that, it, does it scale, though? Is it like oh, 50, yeah. 50 points, or is it go logarithmic where you get no, to 150? It's, it's, it's definitely a curve. So um, you're... You know, every level is is much harder to get than before. So, I have uh, I've joined a a clan of sorts. Not that I'm an active member, but they have their own server. So I've been putting a little bit more time into getting to know those guys mm-hmm. and playing on their server. And I am now dun 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 level 115. 115 sounds impressive. Yeah. Well, it, I think it, I'm a Brigadier General Four. Does that help? Yeah, a little bit. So let me tell you a little bit about what I've been doing in that because it's kind of entertaining. What I've discovered is a weapon that I kind of think is really cheesy that's uh, called an airburst. (laughs) You talked about that uh, one other time. I don't know, maybe it was at lunch or something. Yeah, I think I talked about this at lunch. But what I've discovered is I can play a support character, and the support character in Battlefield 4 is basically the supplier of ammo and the carrier of heavy weapons like the M60s and the saws and that sort of stuff. Yep. But you have access to this airburst. So for those of you that aren't military aficionados, the airburst is the grenade launcher that allows you to program the grenade to go off after it passes a solid object. So if somebody's hiding behind a wall, you can point it at the wall and lock it and then slide it just past it. And your grenade will shoot just past that wall and explode. So it takes away the cover advantage. I think I saw that on the military channel once. It's a super cool real-world piece of equipment that, honestly, if I could play with one of these in real life, I don't know what I'd do, but it would be an amazing experience. But what you can do in Battlefield is you can get on a rooftop above a spawn point or a choke point, and you can drop your ammo pack. And then the clip on this particular airburst weapon is five rounds with five in reserve. And you can shoot them as fast as you pull the trigger, which gives you the death from above grenade spam of doom, which three rounds will kill even a full player. 
and five gives you a nice cushion for if they try to escape. So is this a, um, are you, are you basically being a spawn camper at this point? Nah, I wouldn't say spawn camper because you're not allowed to go into the spawns, but I'm definitely abusing the death from above power well, of okay. this weapon that was not designed to be a grenade launcher. Well, and speaking of not designed, I believe you also had like a tank in a high rise or something like that at one point. Oh yeah. So if you get bored on your way to level 150, like I do, um, you can do something really cool with C4. So almost all of the characters, maybe all the characters, can carry C4. So what you do, and this is particularly fun on Singapore, which is basically a U of buildings around a harbor with a tall, destructible building in the center. But what you can do is you can take your, well, it's easier with the uh, with the armored truck. Yeah. And you put a bunch of C4 against the bottom axle in this thing and it takes probably three to four players worth of c4 and then you get in it and one person detonates this huge pile of c4 and the game just does not know what to do so the vehicle is not destroyed it is instead flung up into the air and on a good day you can land it on top of a building and i'm told on the shorter buildings you can do this with the tanks too but there is nothing more entertaining than watching a big truck go end over end over end and then landing in an unexpected place where you can jump in the turret, which is a big old 50 cal, and mow everybody that's standing there going, where in the hell did that truck come from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, So that's Battlefield 4. But uh, that's not all I've been playing. I've also taken a little bit of a break to go back to console gaming on the PlayStation 4. Less fun than dinking around in Battlefield and griefing, maybe, if you want to use that term, or at least abusing some of the game by throwing vehicles around, I have gone back and decided that I need to put some more significant time into Assassin's Creed. Black Flag, right? That's correct. So Black Flag is the Assassin's Creed that is pirate-themed. Pirate-based. Actually, the NVIDIA camp, you know, when that game launched, they were sending it out to a lot of the reviewers saying, hey, you should play Black Flag. It's got a lot of NVIDIA technology in it, and it's super awesome, and it will give you, you know, tickles in strange places and stuff like that. And I'm like, cool, but <laughs> it's one Ubisoft and two third person. And neither of those two I get along with. So I tell you, I've played the Assassin's Creed series off and on since the beginning. And I don't know that I've ever really fully completed one since the first one, in which case for me is full map exploration, all the assassinations and all that good kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I had played this briefly when I got it and just discovered that I didn't have a lot of time to throw at it. So coming back to it, I had remembered putting a lot of time into it, Dennis, but my progress was only 8%. That, that's dismal. It that's is horrible. pretty bad. So I resigned myself to try to get in and work on beating the game because, as you know, there's a, a newer one out, the Rogue and the Unity, depending on your, your console choice. Yep. So I kind of felt like I was behind on it started playing just the core missions. And I'm playing this, Dennis, on a set of uh, GTX 770s and SLI. So I've got all the eye candy really maxed out. Mm -hmm. And believe me, when you're on the ship, especially the NVIDIA folks are right, it is just phenomenal. The waves, the wind, the water splashes, you got dolphins and other fish. I mean, it's just insane. In fact, the surround sound and the visuals are so good that it fools my dogs. Yeah, you mentioned that they, uh, well, animals get confused when you 
put him in a surround sound sort of situation <laughs> yes, anyway, do. partially because they know what a certain sound is supposed to be right. and where it should be. And then all of a sudden when they hear it and it's coming from an area where it shouldn't be, they kind of freak out and it's amazing to watch sometimes. It's kind of mean, but it's kind of fun. It is. And I have two teacup chihuahuas, so they're a little bit small and maybe a little overly protective sometimes. The settings are tropical islands, and it's mostly outdoors. In fact, nearly all outdoors. So there is a tremendous amount of surround sound-based animal noises and wind and and brush, and it's actually pretty neat. Now, I have a a fairly nice surround sound system, and we've talked about that before. But the rain and the wind and stuff fools the dogs in a way that is honestly hard to describe, (laughs) laughing and joking. But I have to tell you, I put... Oh my gosh, about half a day into this to get it up. I think I'm at 28% now. So I'm feeling good about one day's progress. But I I found myself going back to my sole problem with it. And that is the parkour element, the climbing and jumping on stuff is really neat when it works. But the problem is, is that it tries too hard to do it when you don't want it to. As an example, you, uh, you might get into an assassination attempt with a guard and get spotted. So they will call the guards, and they all come try to get you with their guns and and knives. And it's it's not a good scene. You're you're pretty squishy as an assassin back in those days. Yep. So you might try to escape. The smart thing to do. And as you're running, it might suddenly decide that you meant to climb up this post instead of running past it. <laughs> and that slows you down, and then you get shot. And you can't because there's nowhere to go because you bump into whatever the ceiling is where this particular post is, and you might find yourself. Well, there's no good way of saying this. I mean, you're just bonking your head or dry humping the the post. And I, yeah, I know it's a family friendly podcast. Please forgive me. And you're just bouncing and bouncing. And then you can't get yourself free to draw your sword and fight back. And it doesn't give you much control over where you save. So you could lose 30 minutes worth of nice, stealthy assassinations to one idiot parkour driven event. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, what, well, one, I want to mention the, the family-friendly podcast, which kind of is. Kind of is. It's kinda. an extra, right? Yeah. Uh, but then uh, in Max Payne, for instance, when all of a sudden it would go into bullet time. Yes. And, and it would do that at random intervals, and it was just somewhat annoying sometimes. Or maybe you press a button and go into bullet time, and then it takes, like, way, way too long. So, Well, the reason I went back to playing Assassin's Creed also, I should mention, is because uh, the Sony PlayStation had an anniversary. It, the 40, is it the 40-year anniversary? That seems like it's too much. 20 years, I think. I think it's 20. Uh, of the PlayStation. So they had a pretty big sale, and that gave me the opportunity to go out and get interested in playing again. Although I didn't buy Black Flag. Instead, I bought Guacamole. Is that a Ubisoft game? No. In fact, it's an indie game of sorts where you're a, a lucha libre wrestler, oh, and nice. it's a it's a platformer. And I don't know a lot about it except for you can turn into a chicken. Mm. Sounds fun. We should play that definitely. So, as weird as that might sound, my son loves it. Absolutely loves it. I wouldn't say he's very good at it. But he loves it, and turning into a chicken is the best thing you could do to your young child. He yeah. just laughs and laughs and laughs. But it's not just about me on this particular podcast extra. Are you sure? It could be. Could be. I think you have more to talk about. <laughs> but it's not. Okay. Maybe I do more gaming. I should work on that. 
But what have you been playing? Uh, let's see. Well, I've been playing a little bit of the pre-sequel. Uh, I have to admit that the game is not necessarily growing on me, but I've kind of learned to um, explore some other aspects that I never really uh, took advantage of before. And this is the Borderlands 2 pre-sequel. Yes, the Borderlands, the pre-sequel. It's not Borderlands 2 because that's actually a real game. But Oh, that's true. That's true. But it's based on the Borderlands 2 engine. Uh, you get some new vault hunters who aren't really vault hunters and... Uh, you get to play as Handsome Jack, so I got to play as his doppelganger. Right. Which is, uh, let's face it, you're playing as Handsome Jack. Recently, the Baroness, who is the um, the sixth unlockable character. So now this is part of the season pass, right? The first, no, second DLC? Which... Yeah, I you know, I lost track because the DLCs are like dumb. I mean, they're like, okay, you download a character. Yay. Well, and I have to, I have to confess, and we've talked about this before. I, I'm just kind of lukewarm to that pre-sequel, and I've been trying to warm up to it, mm-hmm. but I did not purchase the season pass. Oh well, you're missing out. Because ah, I you know. Get, well, we have uh, Handsome Jack is in as a DLC character, and also the Baroness, who is um, Sir Hammerlock's sister. Oh, okay. And, and she's very, very rich, uh, supposedly in one of the. Um, voice cutscenes. she mentions that she bought a planet or owns a planet or something like that so she's very rich and oh now this is coming back to me now i think i saw the the preview maybe it was a ces preview where she walks into moxie's bar and <laughs> freezes everyone and throws yep. money at them or something like yeah that. well it's uh she freezes everyone that's her special ability is um uh cryo oh okay so as you know well some people may know the uh buff in the pre-sequel is cryo. That's a new element. Whereas like in Borderlands 2, it was slag. And in the original Borderlands, it was corrosion, I believe. Yes, that so sounds right. When she corrodes somebody, then you get extra, you do extra damage. Well, in Borderlands 2, it's slag. Well, this one is cryo. And it kind of makes sense. You're on the moon. You're freezing people. Yay. Well, her whole um, special ability is based on cryo. So when you activate your special ability, it throws out... Uh, a cryo shard, and then it will continually do frost damage to the target until they die. Oh. And and if your special, you know, if your action skill is still active when they die, it will move on to the next. Um, Interesting. Enemy. So yeah. is it stackable too, or just a continual effect? Uh, that one's a continual effect. Although so you not, can not like anarchy or any of those other. Okay. No, but there's. Um, all the skill trees are a little bit confusing in that they um, they have stackable abilities in there. Oh, okay. And to be honest, I haven't had enough time to explore all the trees, but some of them just seem like they are going to be insanely difficult to use. And there's one, like the center tree, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's all based off of your uh, cryo skill. So the more damage you do or somebody dies before your action skill expires, you get an extra stack and, you know, and then you start doing more damage and stuff like that. So, well, the big question though, is she fun to play? Yeah, it remains to be seen. I'm okay. actually not, not really a fan. Um, the cryo thing's fun. I'll admit, you know, go around and just like freeze everybody. And then if you have a frost weapon on top of that, it's just kind of, you know, everybody turns to ice. It's actually kind of fun. Um, but in terms of damage, she doesn't seem to do any more damage than anybody else. And then you have to be careful about what elements you use because 
if you have fire and you have a couple of act, um, of your skill points active, it will counteract the frost, which makes sense. Oh, sure, yeah. But with a regular character, if you free somebody and then you hit them with a fire weapon, then they, you know, instantly bleed out and then, you know, you move on to the next person, so... Well, I know that from a DLC standpoint, though, there's a hot, hot new rumor, right? Right. Well, see, this is, um, I follow a couple of guys on Twitch and they, um, they play the Borderlands series, the pre-sequel. And, um, one of them is Admiral Balru. It's kind of a young kid. He's really good at what he does, though. It's kind okay. of fun. He's been talking about how the new DLC is supposed to be like five gigs oh, of, wow. of download. And that's like an entire game. It's even more than an entire game. Like Tiny Tina, for instance, was like a two gig download. That was the the payload. And that was an amazing DLC. Yeah, one of the best, really. And uh, at PAX um, Australia, I forget what that one's actually called, PAX South or something, they mentioned what the name of the DLC is going to be, and it's the Mind of Claptrap. That's certainly an interesting angle. Yeah, so it's going to be an entire game about Claptrap, I'm assuming. And if it's five gigs, that's a lot of... um, New material, you know, new areas, new probably enemies that you're going to encounter. We'll probably figure out why he can't climb stairs. <laughs> That's yeah. true. You know, there's a couple of echo recordings that you find within the pre-sequel that explain the Claptrap character, kind of like what in Borderlands 2, you could learn about Maya or you could learn about um, Salvador and stuff like that. Well, you can learn about the characters in the pre-sequel, and one of them is Claptrap. And uh, Jack basically is really annoyed and it's trying to figure out how to make them not spontaneously break into dance, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. So, Well, uh, I know that from a playable aspect, the Claptrap is definitely the most interesting character in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how effective, really. Yeah, he's supposed to be a support character, but, you know, the the random action skill is a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's kind of fun from an observational standpoint. I can tell you that from trying it out. But yeah, it's a. I see it as more of a um, you play it and then just kind of roll with it sort of character where you're not taking the game very seriously at all. Uh, well, more of a novelty than anything. Yeah, but so, the new content, though, that's intriguing and large. Maybe we'll make up for how weak the downloadable content has been so far. That is my hope, and that's what a lot of the guys on Twitch are talking about too. Is like, well. If it really is five gigabytes and, you know, if you get like other raid bosses to go after, so you have some replayability in the game, if you have like an entirely new area, which is basically another version of the pre-sequel, which is, you know, an expanded game, Mm -hmm. you should be able to play that for a long time. Um, That was one of the nice things about Borderlands 2. I posted a a screenshot of my uh, Borderlands play experience right and i think i have like 30 hours in the original borderlands because i never actually played it i just wanted to go through the story i have like 700 hours in borderlands <laughs> 2 and then 78 hours into the pre-sequel which seems like i play that game a lot but you know it's over the span of two years or a year and a half well it's been a good go-to title for playing cooperative too for us so mm-hmm. um hopefully we'll see some of that continue but I also know that's not the only controversial game that you've been playing because I have seen you playing a very controversial, at least at launch, title. Oh, yeah, yeah. And actually, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, SimCity. Ooh, the new SimCity, no less. Yeah, the the latest one, just called SimCity. Back in my youth, 
which I'm going to be dating myself here, but <laughs> um, college, uh, SimCity 2000 was out. Oh, yeah. And that was a, a very fun game in that, you know, you build your cities and uh, like if a building um, catches on fire or something like that, it might kill the power grid to half of your city, sure, depending yeah. on where you run power lines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then you run out of water if you have your pump in the wrong place. It was very rudimentary, but it was one of those games that if you had your city all set up and the the taxes going to the right areas, you could just have it run and not ever tend it at all. And then you come back and you have like a million simoleons or whatever. Yeah, one of the first really city simulators, and some people still consider 2000 the pinnacle yeah, of that series. And it was a free game on Steam, I think. No, maybe it was on Origin. Can't remember. No, yeah, it was Origin. Mm-hmm. They were giving away SimCity 2000 for free. You, it was the one of the On Us games. Downloaded that, and it basically came with a Windows wrapper so that it could run the old DOS game within a window and be able to play it. Wow, and how dated does it look these days, that? Yeah, it was actually it was terrible, actually. <laughs> oh, but, no. But it was fun. As long as you um, didn't try to alt-tab out of the game, it, it looked great, and it was kind of fun. It played exactly like the old SimCity 2000. Well... I kind of got a bit nostalgic, and I went out to Steam. They had SimCity 4, and that game is terrible. Oh, no. But it's a, it leverages a lot of the original SimCity 2000. You know, you can build um, you know, your zones, your roads. And then on top of that, you get to do different styles of roads where you can do highways, and you can design your own clover leaf so you can intersect a bunch of highways together. And then if you want to connect your city with the city next to you, in SimCity 2000, you just say, okay, run a road to the end. And say, hey, do you want to connect? Okay, cool. Well, this one, you have to run a road out to the edge and then say, okay, I want to connect. And then it charges you a certain amount of money based off the population. Right. And then you have to make sure that your road is big enough to handle traffic. You know, there's a lot more you have to deal with. And it was vastly confusing to the point where it just wasn't playable. <laughs> well, the good news is SimCity 4 being a little bit disappointing opened the door to a lot of competition, mm-hmm. which has been good for the industry. Games like the Anno series and uh, the City XL series and the huge now range of different transportation simulators. Yeah, like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh, yeah, or well, Euro was... Truck Simulator to go <laughs> completely the different route. Yeah, well, the sim games have been very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have evolved and some of them have de-evolved. The latest SimCity, which is called just SimCity, has, I'm going to say it's taken in the fun factor of SimCity 2000, the configuration ability of SimCity 4, included multiplayer, which was uh, the controversial aspect of the game when it launched. It was only multiplayer. Oh, I think I remember that, yeah. And they basically had like one server and oh, nobody could connect. And Typical, typical. It was horrible. Uh, and then they pushed to uh, basically build a first person or a single player um, aspect into the game. And that's really what I've been playing. Right now, the, the way that it's set up is you go into a zone and you have um, different areas where you can set up your city to be a mayor and then you have a great works area which connects the two cities together so you can send resources and build like an international airport or you can build a, a solar farm you know that way you provide power to both cities and stuff like that so 
it works well. Like if you want to do a co-op sort of game, you can play. I'm a mayor of one city and you're a mayor of another city. And then we can share resources. Like I can send you oil and you can send me, um, you know, electricity and money and stuff like that. So, so you can play it as a co-op game. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, it's one of those games that also you tend to, if you get into it and you play it, you lose track of time. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll sit down and um, start it at like five o'clock. And next thing I know, it's two in the morning. And, you know, I'm still building my city and wondering how these casinos are going to <laughs> affect my crime rate. Well, it's certainly high praise. I think the last game like that I enjoyed was the Tropico series. And uh, that's uh, definitely an interesting twist on that genre mm-hmm. in that you're, uh, yeah, a dictator, if you will, and dealing with revolutions and rights and stuff so easy to lose time in that but the game has evolved with added single player Mm -hmm. and one of the other big critiques early on with the game is the size of the city is very limited and have you experienced any of that yeah okay so to put it in perspective when you play SimCity 2000 for instance you have a very large map that you get to plan your city in right and Depending on what area you zoom into, you know, you can have a small city that's next to a river and then you have a mountain range that separates the two and then you can start another city. It, it's all in the same region. So you only have like one mares, but you can have like your industrial area completely right. opposite of where your residential is. In the current SimCity game, the areas are a lot smaller. So you're very limited in what you can build in what areas. And the idea there is that you are, it's built on multiplayer. So you have areas that are specialized or cities that are specialized in certain aspects. So you can have one city that's tourism based. So it's all casinos and the Willis Tower and, you know, stuff like that. And you can have another one that's industrial, all based around oil exports and shipping and stuff like that. Once you build out an area and have it all filled up, to the point where you can't grow anymore, then you can just start another city and then you start feeding off of each other. So it adds a bit of uh, strategy to it in that you have to plan where you have stuff. And if you want to build the great works of um, like an international airport, for instance, you have to have a certain amount of oil to basically power the planes. If your cities that border that area don't have any oil and you put the say you want to do the international airport, then you have to start importing it from another city that might be on the other side of the map or across water. Very interesting. So it adds a lot of um, variability and kind of replayability to the game. And one reason why I could sit down there for six hours and kind of get lost in it. Well, I know the game has dropped in price now to where it's not unusual to see it for 25 or 20 dollar range mm-hmm. it sounds like uh if you can sink six hours into it that's money well spent would you recommend it i'd recommend it if um but only to those that have actually played a sim city game or like a sim game like that and actually enjoy it because it it does have a bit of a learning curve and part of my uh learning of the game was based off of what i picked up in SimCity 2000 a long, long time ago. The concepts are exactly the same. And once you understand what buildings do what, the rest of it, the game just does. So once you zone it residential, and if you have big enough roads, then it'll start building skyscrapers. And if you have the same thing for commercial, it'll start building hotels. 
you can't actually dictate what goes there. Whereas in SimCity 2004, you'd say, well, this is skyscraper area, stuff like that. Well, I'm also aware that to play the latest SimCity requires a pretty stout machine to truly enjoy it because Mm -hmm. if you can't play it with at least the graphics maxed out, then you're missing out on a lot of the eye candy that makes that series so really visually stunning. Yeah, and if that brings up an interesting point because uh, you can zoom down to the street level and be at the same level as cars, and you can zoom around on the roads and actually see the people walking along, follow a car, follow a taxi, drive by one of the Arcos, which are now mega towers, um, and actually watch people come in, come out of it, watch the high-speed rail come in, go back out, and then you can zoom back out of the whole thing and see planes flying by and see the air traffic, and it mutes all of the ground-level noise, and now you have air noise, and then you can back up even more, and then you hear the music of the game so you can see your city from, from afar. It's, uh, it brings a new aspect to that where you can get as granular or as broad as you want. Well... Generally, the spring is sort of a dry time for new game releases, so it's a great opportunity to go back to titles like SimCity or even Battlefield that you may have skipped because, uh, you know, there was something more exciting, more shiny at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely watch for those sales and uh, pick up a title like that that you may have skipped or let us know what we might have missed and tell us about it through our Facebook at HardwareAsylum.com. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.